Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that refuses to use an elixir until the absolute final boss battle. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and this week we'll be discussing our favorite items and inventory systems in RPGs. Whether it's a Moogle charm to avoid random encounters, or bobby pins to break into locks, we'll be going through a myriad of weird and wonderful items, and the inventory systems that carry them. But before we get into the discussion, let's introduce who we have with us tonight. Always ready to talk about something RPG-related is Reviews Editor at Nintendo World Report, Jordan Rudick. You know, when I you, you mentioned uh, saving elixirs of the final boss battle, I think for the first like 20 years of my life, that's I, I absolutely did that. I, I refused elixirs, mega elixirs, max ethers, all those like fully curative, restorative items. I refused to use them. Now, I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm a lot more liberal with my usage of these items. And so I'll go to the boss battle kind of lamenting or the final battle, lamenting that I don't have the elixirs that I probably <laughs> wasted earlier on. So I don't know, maybe there's something about uh, item usage and uh, getting older that we can touch on later in the podcast. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it works out well from last week when uh, we kept I, I was happy to find elixirs in all the clocks in Final Fantasy VI. But yeah, I was every time I had one, I was. Very hesitant to use it, so I like those. I like those little tropes, though, or those little kind of um, thing, uh, you know, elements that happen in those games. Where it's like if you always check this particular item when you see it, or this type of object in the environment, you're going to get something. It's cute that FF6 does that with the clocks. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'd be. I wouldn't have one on the top of my head of another game that always hides items in boxes. But I, I like when you are rewarded for exploring, right? Like Pokemon, you, you think about going into the garbage cans. Uh, I think sometimes it says like, oh, it's just garbage in here. Uh, Earthbound was a good game for that. Like you can often look in a garbage can and find like food, like find a hamburger, find a slice of pizza. Uh, even though you knew it was coming from the garbage, like it was still a pretty good find for your uh, for uh, healing your party members. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like when RPGs put items in funny places in the environment. I think it's a, it's a nice touch. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we have a new patron to the mage this week uh, on for the first time. I'd like to welcome games reviewer for ladies, gamers, and attend dad page. Oh, I should ask you what you had to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is it Dave, you have to try it first. Uh, Delphison, right? Del Delphison? Del no. David, I get to try now. Yeah, you go ahead. Detlefsen? Yeah. Detlefsen? Okay. There you go. Let me redo that whole intro. And we have a new patron to the mage this week. On the mage for the first time, I'd like to welcome games reviewer for ladies gamers and attend dad, Paige Det... <laughs> so close. <laughs> I am terrible with names. Three Detlefsen. Syllables. David, it's three syllables. Yeah. Each syllable is three letters. Detlefsen. Yeah, I know. You've heard, you've heard how I pronounce names on this show. Paige... Detless. <laughs> please keep Jordan, this. Just keep this. Keep this in the final cut, please. <laughs> oh, you're gonna. Uh, Paige Detlifson. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> and officially never coming back to the podcast because David butchered her name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess we can't all have milk toast names like mine. I suppose. That's right. Oh man. <laughs> I'm very sorry, but I'm very happy that you're on the, the podcast with us. It's yes. always great to get some outside opinions. Uh, we can't always talk about Final Fantasy. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, on each of the episodes, uh, we always uh, start off the episode with uh, talking about uh, a drink that we're having uh, while we discuss our RPG-related topics. And uh, 
Just wanted to check with you, Paige, to see if you brought anything to the mage. Um, just Coca-Cola in a can, like I normally have. <laughs> you know, it's uh, about 1pm here, so... Well, you're doing, doing Jordan proud. He's got the... Uh, that means the sugary drink's taken tonight, Jordan. It means I don't... You, <laughs> oh, you're gonna like what I have tonight, dude. Yeah, uh, so Paige, I usually bring some kind of soda, just like you've got tonight, so uh, good on you for doing that. Um, and then, of course, if Casey were here, he would give you crap because uh, he thinks that Pepsi uh, somehow is better than Coke. Um, yeah. I wonder if Coke uh, or any any pop. It, oh, I should ask this. Do you say pop or soda in Australia? Uh, we say soft drink. Oh, soft drink. OK, yeah. Soft. Yeah. I mean, we say soft drink up here, too. But I guess it's it's in Canada. I think pop is a lot more common. I, I yeah. only think. Only thing that's soda is creaming soda because that's in the name. Right. Okay. Yeah. Soda is very much uh, an American thing. I think. Um, mm. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I've got um, something called Arbor Mist. Uh, Arbor Mist is a a wine. <laughs> the, I think the description is kind of funny. It's a fine wine product with delicious peach and other natural flavors. Basically, it's like a, a sweet fruit wine. That's not very alcoholic. So I'm very much in the <laughs> middle. I'm in the middle tonight between Paige and David, I think. Um, it's it's 6% uh, alcohol. It is, um, yeah, peach flavored. It's very sweet. Um, I, I don't know. Other than, oh, it's a, it's a Chardonnay. Uh, but yeah, not not nearly as strong as a normal wine. It's not bad. I think it's, I don't think it's made in Canada. And I know I, I normally uh, try to bring on Canadian drinks. But the place it's made sounds like canada so it's and now i'm now it's my turn to to mess up a name <laughs> it's canandaigua new york i guess it's, it's a city in new york i suppose or a, a winery in new york maybe but yeah arbor mist is it's i don't know it's it's one of those funny things it's it's soft enough or light enough that doesn't upset my stomach so that's why I was kind of eyeing it. And so far, so good. Uh, it's sweet, which I like. And it has a little bit of alcohol to make David happy. And so I think we're all happy right now. Well, you've got me beaten on the alcohol. This might be the no first way. time in mage history that you have more alcoholic content. <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I went with, well, you told me I had to go back to Gainsbourg because we're still trying to get that sponsorship. That's right. And uh, so I went with uh, uh, Blanche de, de Chelsea. Which is a, a white IPA, so it's a it's another that's I think that's like my third white IPA in a row. Mm. Uh, good summer. It's a little bit cooler though, so it's uh, I might get off the summer drinks here soon. But know that mine's uh, four and three quarters. So what? Okay. Yeah. That, I, I that doesn't even count as beer for you. That I, I mean that that's basically it's like drinking a Coca Cola right now for you. <laughs> I, think, I think so. It's much much uh, lower than the eleven percent beers I usually have, but. Are there any? Uh, no, had... Are there any Gainsburg beers that you haven't had yet, or haven't talked about on the podcast? I mean, you, you're going through. Well, that's the pretty fast. I think that's the thing. There's there's the haven't talked about and haven't had. I'm pretty sure I've had most of them. Um, whether I've talked about them all or not is different. Okay. Um, and also they they do they do have more like that. This is just what I'm able to get it from the supermarket, like where they sell it. I'm pretty sure that in the actual pub they have a few different ones on tap. So. Uh, I might I might have to do one on location one day and then that that'll really push the uh, the sponsorship uh, 
pushes uh, if if I do one right from the pub itself. I think a thirsty mage filmed or, or recorded on location would be pretty cool, actually, and definitely a good yeah. for the Instagram. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to think about that. So. I guess we should get uh, right into it. And like I said at the beginning, we were talking about items in inventory. So we each picked a game that uh, we thought had something that uh, either was very, had some interesting items or the game itself was very items based. And uh, I think our guest actually picked probably the the game that most represents uh, the topic tonight. And that's the Monster Hunter series. And uh, so maybe uh, maybe I'll just start off by asking uh, Paige, uh, which, which, end of the monster hunter spectrum are you in are you more of the traditional uh monster hunter or are you more into the monster world now that uh that's kind of the big the big talk these days um i played a bit of monster hunter world which uh, one thing i'll talk about is the distinction between old and new world because some items changed a bit um but i do somewhat prefer the um older style just for personal reasons so you have a lot of uh nostalgia for the for this series yeah, um, also my favourite weapon, the Gun Lance. Um, in Monsanto World, the appearances didn't change very much because one of the things is like you craft your own weapons with the items from monsters and they'll have take on the appearance of the monsters. Um, and Monsanto World didn't really do that very well, I think. Oh, that's too bad. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that was uh, something you could do, build the, the weapons yeah, for monsters. Because the, um, the entire game is you go out uh, to hunt monsters, so you pick up which one you're going to go for and you hunt it, and when you've defeated it, you carve up, carve it up, and so you'll get certain drops from it. And if you, um, that also goes into where you've attacked it, like if you hit, break its face or cut off its tail, then you're more likely to get like a horn or a tail piece. Mm. Um, and then, so you get the money from completing the quest and like progress the story a bit, but you also use those items that you pick up to craft things. So usually the monster parts are to craft armor and weapons. And then, yeah, so if you, like, cut up, like, a jaggy, and then when you make, like, a sword or um, a helmet out of it, it'll, like, take on their appearance of their, like, um, skin and that, as if it was actually made out of them. Honestly, it's like wearing a trophy. <laughs> yeah, it, like, that's the whole sort of thing, because, um, you know, you hunt the monster... And then out of that monster, you know, if you hunt it a few times, you can make new weapons and armor. And then you're stronger, like because there's no levels in the game, um, in terms of the character. So the only way to become stronger is just one by learning the game and the monsters, and two by having better armor and equipment. So you basically grind these monster fights, collect its parts, make your new fancy set of gear and weapon. And then you can take on a bigger monster. Paige, can I ask why Monster Hunter World has become, has been, you know, why is it so popular? Like, why is it, it seems like it's a, I don't know if it's a better game. It, it sounds like you prefer the older style, but why, why is Monster Hunter World so popular? Why did it kind of 
really explode in sales for the series? Like what what's the what are some of the key differences, I guess, between uh, the older games that came to like the portable handhelds like uh, PSP or 3DS or something like that? And then uh, the differences with Monster Hunter World, which is uh, exclusively on uh, home consoles. Well, I think releasing on the home consoles for one thing, hmm. um, especially Western release, like they put it on Xbox, which it hadn't been like um, the early Monster Hunters were like on PlayStation, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, PlayStation 2 and like there's some PSP ones but from for a long time it's just been like Nintendo so Nintendo 3DS um and like one on the Wii U mm-hmm. like Wii Wii U and Switch uh so yeah one just what platforms are released on so it's on more popular platforms and right. then after launch they did a PC release as well so that's the first time that sort of game was on computer outside of the MMO thing mm-hmm. that's region locked and they did the, the um, si- that sizable Iceborne DLC as well, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and obviously it had, like, because it's not restricted to the Nintendo system, they had, like, a they really went all out with the graphics and changing it up. So one of the key distinctions between Old and New World is the map because in Old World it's divided into little segments, like each map, um, that you, like, themed area, like a desert or something. Um, every time you, like, go between an area, they've got a short loading screen to get to the next bit. Whereas in um, Monster Hunter World, it's just all seamless. Mm. So, like, one of the items that I was going to talk about is paintballs. Because with the the map in the old-style game, you know, they the monsters usually, when they get weakened down a bit or something, they'll go out, like, they'll start hobbling back home or something. Or they might disappear. Um, so if you want to find where they are... Like, that'll be hard to go through the whole map to try and find them. So what you do at the st- usually at the start of the fight is you throw a paintball and that'll track them for a while. Hmm. So on the map, it'll sh- when they've gone to, like, number six segment, it'll show you that they're in number six. So don't waste your time going around the whole map trying to find it because you are on a, timed, on a timer. Hmm. Yeah, I remember, I remember doing that in... Uh, I the, the monster... So the two monster hunters I've played is Monster Hunter... I think it's... I don't know if they call it four or generations. It's the one that just came to Switch uh, a year or yeah, two. Generations ago. Ultimate. Yep. Yeah. Um so yeah, I remember doing that the the paintballs uh where it's it shows like the numbers and then you can see where they go. Uh, so I I remember doing that, yeah. Whereas um and they changed that in Monster Hunter World because it's a seamless map. So now what you do in order to find the monster in the first place, instead of having to just sort of wander around and find it. Um, is you'll f- they'll have like tracks and markings, so you'll like scrape them up, and then that'll fill up a bar, and then you have these glowing flies called scout flies, and they'll or- and once you've like gathered up enough information on the monster from the tracks and that, they'll just automatically like point towards where the monster is, mm. which I think only gets confusing when there's like a odd path that they went on, but yeah, you can just like follow the trail to the monster. So it's like completely replace the item with this new system to go with the new style of map. Yeah, I guess because since they they wouldn't be hiding. Because I remember the usually when I would get to the to the other section in generations, they were they were kind of waiting there or or standing in a in a specific spot. But I guess I played a little bit of world, but I almost thought it was too big. <laughs> yeah. Like there was too much going on. Yeah, because um, in Monster Hunter World, it's a bit more dynamic because you have other monsters show up, and instead of them just both wailing on you like they would in the um, older games, sometimes they'll attack each other, which is really cool. Like One of the things I like from the new game. No, that's good. 
Yeah, one of the, uh, the interesting things about Monster Hunter World 2 is that uh, when you start the mission, there's, I remember there was like a, a box of supplies that are like provided to you at the beginning of the quest. And I think like, is there, there, I could be remembering it wrong, but there's restrictions on what you can take in, right? Like, isn't there? Yes, they have a, the item pouch and that's only so many different kinds of items can go in, but then you have a limit on the specific item. So you can only have so many potions and antidotes. So that's a way to try and stop you from just making the game too easy by like restricting the the amount that you can heal yourself. There is, so yeah, like you said, when you go onto a quest, there'll be a provisions box, and that usually comes with like the map, like mini, po- like first aid kits, rations, like mini things. Um, so it's actually preferable to use those items first because when you finish a quest, you don't get to keep those ones. So it's better to like, if you, if you don't need too much healing or something, it's better to use, like, the free item you got because then you don't have to waste what you um, had to craft yourself because most of the item, like, you can buy equipment, but I think most of the items are craftable because you gather monster parts. You've got lots, yeah, there's lots of gathering spots in the games, like fish, bugs with bug net, um, herbs just sitting there. Do you have to craft like bait or anything to catch the monsters as well? Like I, I'm a, I'm a total noob. I think I played like maybe parts of some, of, you know, one or two of the demos uh, that maybe came to uh, 3ds or Wii U or something like that. But like, uh, is there a, a way like you, you use the paintballs as scout flies to track them or to find them uh, after you've encountered them? But uh, is there a, a way that you're kind of coaxing them to a particular location at the beginning? No, you usually just sort of find where they are. Mm. Okay. I know there is an item in some circumstances, I think they changed the name between the games, but there's like um, certain bombs that might be useful in particular situations, like either like Sonic or Screamer, because there's a couple of monsters that go underground. So then you place the bomb, and then that'll like force them to come back out. Right, okay, cool. So it'll like shake up the ground for them. Hmm. Um, there is monster capturing, which depends on like the quest, because usually you can finish most quests by killing, but sometimes they'll want it captured. Um, and that uses specific traps that you have to put down. Mm. So yeah, the traps, I think it depends on the game because, yeah, like most things are craftable, but then maybe one of the items you actually have to buy from the vendor. Um, but yeah, there's different kinds of traps too. Um, and if the monster's weak enough, then they'll, they can like just automatically be caught. Otherwise you can use, you can make, you know, like you buy the barrel and then you get the other stuff. You can make like trank like tranquilizer hmm. so actually in monster hunter world i captured them like a lot more than i did in the previous games because it was just I feel like it's easier <laughs> than finishing them off because right. once they're in that last bit of health they get like enraged and they're a lot tougher it's harder to fight yeah and plus in monster hunter world they actually have like a display section so when you've caught a monster like the last one you've caught like you can see it like sleeping in this pen hmm. It makes me think of Animal Crossing. Like when you catch a you catch a butterfly or a fish or something, they put it in the museum for you. Yeah, but it's only like temporary display. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, it, where where did you start with the series, Paige? Like I I know that there's obviously been a b- bunch of entries. Like, what was your first one, or what were some of your early memories of the series? I'd say my brother played like Monster Hunter Three on the 3DS, and I think I touched that one a bit, but I got more into it on Monster Hunter Four. Okay. Uh, I'd say it. I think it's for Ultimate. There was a thing with Western releases where we usually didn't get, like, because Monster Hunter would usually have a release 
and then it has an updated release that includes mm-hmm. like the higher rank content and stuff. Um, so in the West, we'd normally just get the updated version. Right, yeah, okay. So yeah, so I think it's Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate on 3DS is the one I played a bit. Yeah, so it's yeah, it just something really different because it's sort of just old boss fight sort of thing. And then that's that thing of, cut, you know, carve up this monster to make new equipment out of it to go to the next, you know, so you're strong enough to face the next one without dying in a couple of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, the more, like, the herbivores and stuff, like, you can carve them up because then you'll get raw meat and then you cook the raw meat on the campfire um, on your little rotating thing and then you eat that um you eat like a well-done steak and that temporarily increases your stamina Mm, which you know then you can chase after the monster and you can dodge because you need it to dodge right cool well uh, jordan's very impressionable and and having heard all this there's a good likelihood he's going to run out and buy a monster hunter a monster hunter game yeah i'm downloading Uh, the switch version as we speak i was just gonna say like (laughs) what for for someone brand new like him uh that maybe hears this and thinks they want to get into it like what would you would you recommend the generations on switch or would you at this um, point recommend monster hunter world depends on like i guess the platforms you have really i think they're both fine it's just um monster hunter world's like a new style so like gameplay is a bit different like you know things mm-hmm. got changed they may think in a way they sort of make things a bit easier because the um you can do your story quest with other players Right, okay, um, Whereas yeah. in, like, the old style, it's separated, so in order to make solo progression, you have to take on these quests yourself. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, pick one over the other. Like, hmm. you know, if you have a Switch, then, you know, try out Generations Ultimate for the old style. Um, but, yeah, we don't know if they're going to if they're gonna keep making them in that style or they're going to stick with the new world. Yeah, it, it seems like Monster Hunter World did so well uh, commercially, and critically as well, that they might just kind of keep making those games. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, there, there certainly is a, a fan base for the traditional games, the older style games. Yeah. Um, um, typically, they had like two teams working on the games at the time. So there was like the one that was doing the port for the Switch. So some people are like, oh, you know, maybe they'll make the older style games still, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I guess we'll have to. What is it? Capcom? Who makes these games, Paige? Yeah, Capcom. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a series I've maybe admired from afar. I, the, the couple times I've tried it, I just didn't really get into it. But I think well, I, I, I think I'd want to maybe try Monster Hunter World because you say it's different. Maybe it's more accessible to newer players, and I, I that might be a good entry point for someone who maybe bounced off the series a little bit, like myself. Yeah, um, the series isn't very good for like tutorializing things because they sort <laughs> right. of here you go, like it gives you the basic thing, and yeah. then. You have to go into like the sub menus to do the training to learn your weapon move set. Because um, yeah, instead of classes, you've got dif- basically different weapons. So if you pick up a sword, then you can just use the sword. Like nothing's going to stop you other than right. not knowing how to use it. But yeah, I think yeah, Monster Hunter Worlds is yeah easier on new players because it gives you know teaches you a bit more um, and more people are playing it. So even though the lobby system on that's kind of annoying, you should be able to find people to play with. Yeah, I, I, I like that you mentioned that uh, you can do story quests with other people. And as soon as you mentioned that, I thought of something like Dark Souls, where uh, if, if a certain boss or a certain area is too difficult for you, you can just summon another player uh, as, a, as a spirit or something like that, and that, that can join you for the boss fight. Or sometimes you can summon NPCs to kind of help you f- 
through more difficult parts or through difficult bosses as well. So I like the idea of kind of having that option if you're finding something particularly difficult or you're still learning the ropes, if you can have someone come in and help. Uh, I think that's a cool yes. thing. Um, in Monster Hunter World, actually, you have an SOS system. Okay. So you can actually shoot off like a flare. And then that's how other people who are like aren't in the same lobbies you can find you and join your quest. Mm, so like okay. if you're having trouble um, with a monster, um, yeah, you send off a flare, and then other people, anyone else online, can come in and join. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. Help. That is cool. Alrighty, well, from the from an eastern way of looking at uh, item crafting, uh, we're going to head to the west. And we're going to go to uh, a favorite publisher of mine that's a, a great example of how uh, weight, weight-based inventory systems work. And um, the, the examples I'm going to use for this one is uh, the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout series. Uh, they have a pretty similar inventory system, uh, almost identical, I think. It's been a while since I played each one, but um, it's very much based on weight. Like, you can bring what you can carry is basically how it works. Um which is uh, which is good that they have that there because I'm I'm one of the type of people that uh, will see some kind of building or cave or something, um, take out everyone living inside of it and then uh, fill my pockets full to the brim on the way out. Now, David, are you so picking if, up everything? You're picking up like the cups, the plates, the chairs, every anything that's not nailed down. Are you picking it up when you do? When you <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I had the most beautiful library in my Breeze home. Uh, like it was, I, I had it all, it's all around the fire and it had all the, as many books as I could lift. Um, and then when I filled up, filled up those libraries, I would go to like a different home in a different city and yeah. fill those up. Like, uh, I, I don't think I read any of the books, but they sure look nice on those, uh, <laughs> I those mean, shelves, let me tell you. who needs Animal Crossing when you've got, uh, Skyrim, right? Like it's basically, <laughs> right. you're basically playing Skyrim as if it's your own New Horizon, so... <laughs> That's right. It's the more violent version of Does that uh, mean Animal like, Crossing. You collect different like children as well for your house. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the expansions, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well that was the um uh the the expansion I really liked was the one that lets you build your own home because then uh, like I just went to town in that one because I had like all these things set up where I I would, uh, yeah, like loot everything I could and I just stopped selling it and I just bring it back to, to, um, I think it was Lakeview Manor, I think was the one that, that was like right outside of Falkreath. And, uh, so, uh, (laughs) it was funny because I had the, my, the, the very first time I, I built it, I was like halfway through building it and I noticed there was a cult. There's like a, it's kind of on a cliff a little bit and there's like a hill that goes down and there's a little beach. And there was a cult set up there with where they had um, an enchanting table. And there was like, uh, I think there were vampires or something all around that. And uh, I was so mad that they were near my house. <laughs> so I, I ended up chasing them down the chasing them down the river until every one of them was was taken out. But uh, uh, yeah, it was, I was I just love the system they have in there. David, um, only you would move in next door to a pack of vampires. OK, that's such a David Lloyd thing right. to do. Maybe you called in like I don't know what the term is because it's in some countries like a housing association or something. Uh, <laughs> in, in the states, it's oh, yeah the HOA homeowners association. I, yeah. I I don't know if we have David. Do we? Have, I don't think we have something like that in Canada. Like you have stratas with with condos and townhouses, yeah. but I mean for 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 homeowners there isn't really something like that. Or for a, I should say a detached homeowners, there's nothing really like that. I no. don't think. 
I was I was probably the one that was coming into like there was probably like a big coven of vampires and they're like who's this who's this guy coming in uh, yeah. who's this elf yeah elf elf thinks they're gonna you know set up shop in our house they didn't think you'd build a house on their cliff and destroy their beautiful view <laughs> that they had <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, a few of my favorite items, too. Like, Bethesda is great at uh, having, like, weird and quirky items. And uh, I mentioned bobby pins at the beginning. Uh, You can never have enough bobby pins uh, to to pick locks. I always felt like I was always short on them. Uh, Whenever I could buy them, I'd pick them up. Uh, For Skyrim, the the two items that stood out for me were the um, Amulet of Mara. Uh, which would allow the dragonborn uh, to get married. I think you had to. I think you actually had to have that before you could get married. And then, yeah, um, yeah and then you're the the spouse that you choose. I can like, um, they live at your house, but they also like earn money somehow. I can't even remember. Are they running a shop or something like that? Or sell? They're selling. I think yeah, they're selling something. something. Maybe. I, I can't uh, remember. Yeah. It's been a long time, but I only yeah. got married so that I had someone to look after my adopted kids because I bought like. Um, one of the first houses you can get, um, like the cheapest one. And I picked up some of the kids off the street, basically, and those in my house, and I wasn't there most of the time, so I literally married someone just so that there was somebody looking after them. That might sound bad, Paige, but you're actually playing the game in like you know the wholesome, <laughs> entirely opposite way that David is playing. You're rescuing people <laughs> off the street. He's killing everybody on the street. So it's, it, don't, don't feel bad about marrying someone just to protect the kids. That's a good thing. It's actually a refugee shelter from his rampage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got an orphanage, and I'm and I'm usually looking. It's funny. The, the uh, yeah, I'm I'm the well for sure because my favorite the favorite thing in Skyrim for me is to um, join the uh, oh I'm forgetting the name, but it's the League of Assassins. Uh, the Black uh, Dark Brotherhood. The Dark Brotherhood. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the first thing I do in the game is I join the Bar- Dark Brotherhood and. Uh, I think like one of the first people. It is the first person. Your first contract is to kill a, uh, the the woman that runs the orphanage uh-huh. and and. Uh, but she's terrible, right? Like she she definitely yeah. has it coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, all the kids cheer when when you like. I remember the kids cheering me when I was walking out of the yeah, place. It, like, well, she's dead. It's a little hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the great things about that quest line and some of the other ones is that they're not they're not so cut and dry. Like you you start off the Dark Brotherhood by killing someone that deserves it right like you're you're the noble assassin not that it necessarily yeah. stays that way right you're probably gonna you're gonna murder good people as well but it, it's that nice thing that these western rpgs try to do is uh give you decisions or give you quests that kind of put you in that place where you're you're doing something good or you're doing something bad or maybe you're doing something in the middle and i think skyrim does uh, skyrim and fallout both do a really good job of that yeah and uh the other favorite from skyrim is uh, the ring of her so that I can become a werewolf uh, on command. That's a, another favorite of mine. Hmm. Uh, but I think the the favorite way to, for me to go through my inventory is definitely the Pip Boy. That's a that's a that's yeah. a favorite for me. It looks really nice. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the weight. And there, it's there's so many different ways that you can kind of cheat the system too, because Bethesda sets it up where you can't. Uh, if you're if you're over encumbered, like it, not only does it slow the character down, but you you can no longer fast travel anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's always items like in Skyrim. I believe there's like a ring that you can wear that that'll add like fifty pounds to what you can hold. Or there's even potions uh, that give you t- very temporary uh, like weight uh, that you can hold more weight. So usually I'd have a few of those potions 
And so I would do my looting and then walk out and then use the potion so that I could fast travel back to my house. Is there a stat in those games that you can raise to uh, increase your weight limit as well? Or your yeah, it's capacity? one of the... Yeah, it's one It's one of the... Uh, I think it's it's like strength or like whatever. There is a definitely something that uh, as it goes up, it, it increases how much you can carry. Yeah, because okay. like the stronger warrior types are able to carry heavier so that they can have the heavier armor. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And yeah, and weight was always a problem with me because I usually played as an elf because I liked the I'm I'm always playing as the assassin archer. So yeah, it seems counterintuitive for you, David. Like you're trying to sneak around the place and yet you're picking up every pot and pan Maybe in the Santa building. Sack. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to stay <laughs> hidden when you're carrying this big red sack behind you. But <laughs> that's right. You, you find a way. And uh, and not it's not Bethesda, but uh, The Witcher Three uses the same the same system too, where it's based on weight. Uh, whatever Geralt can uh, can carry. Yeah, uh, I was yeah. I was gonna say because I don't know what game series do it, but to me the weight system seems like um an older like Western computer RPG type yes. mechanic. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely meant to be realistic and maybe emulates like the kind of Dungeons and Dragons roots of these games, right? And yeah. um, I I don't know that it it's super player friendly, but it does kind of keep you. Uh, you know, making decisions about what you can carry, what you can do, where you can go. Like it's it's part of the uh, role playing, right? You are you're not just it's not it's just a, it's a fantasy world, but you're not a, a purely fantasy character, right? You're trying to be this character in the game, right? I guess it's something about Fallout and Elder Scrolls is that I think you're supposed to be that character, right? Whereas other games don't necessarily do that. Like you're. Um, I guess more realistically role playing something in an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout, you know, and and hence the first person view, right? I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with a weight based uh, inventory system, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And I think just in general, like the weight based and other things like restrictions in Monster Hunter, and that it's an attempt to stop you from just being like too overpowered. Like obviously, oh you sure, can carry, yeah. you can carry a bit too much in like Skyrim, and that still. But it is also just a way to stop you from making it too easy, mm-hmm. and and that you have to make a decision when you go when you when you find all these treasure boxes uh, in a in a tower or at a dungeon or something like that. Like you can't, in theory, you can't carry everything. So you have to choose: Do I want this new sword? Do I want to take more gold or items that I can sell for money? Like you're constantly making those kind of role playing decisions too. Well, in Fallout specifically for me, uh, I know weight is always an issue when it comes to like how many weapons I want to carry and what what types of weapons. Because yes. you get like the the fat boys or you know the atomic bomb shooters, and obviously those are heavier. And then uh, if you have something like um, the rocket propelled uh, sledgehammer or something like that, then again, like those are taking up space in, in your inventory, so you're you're really limited to what you could carry and. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, like Paige said, it's so that you're not like a walking Robocop out there who's like completely uh, uh, invulnerable or has infinite ammo or something like yeah, that. You until know? you and, put on a power suit and then you, you are a Robocop yeah. of sorts. But <laughs> yeah. um, Only till your batteries give out. Exactly. There's always, there's always a way to stop you or shut you down in some, in some fashion. I, was, I did want yeah. to lobby a complaint about the Fallout series inventory, and that's the fact that... Um, there are so many different types of weapons or guns specifically, and so many different types of ammo for them. 
So I would often have all these different guns and I would never have the ammo I need for them. And I, I just think that's frustrating. I wish yeah. that I know I know it's realistic. Yeah, like a revolver is not going to take the same ammunition as a rifle or as a sniper rifle or a machine gun. I get that. But like, I think I think it's more annoying or it takes me kind of out of the fun, uh, the enjoyment of the game by running out of ammo all the time and be like, oh, I'm constantly scavenging for ammo. I'm spending all of my caps buying ammo. Like, it's just, I don't know, that's kind of grating. Like, if you're going to make an action game and have all these enemies that you have to gun down or kill, I wish I wish there was some way that the ammo could replenish or there was more of it or something. I don't know. David or Paige, did you encounter something like that in these games? I haven't played the series, any of those series too much to mm-hmm. find an issue. But yeah, that is... um. Yeah, it happens in some, like, older games with shooting where you're like, oh, ammo, and it's, like, not for the gun that you prefer to use. And it's like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it can be frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I will give you that, 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 that uh, critique is, is uh, founded. That, that is one of the things that's, you, where you, you pick up ammo and then you're, like, you realize it's not for the gun that you're carrying and you... <laughs> <laughs> and it's so disappointing. And it can be disappointing. Yeah, and it's just um, I just feel like that happened all the time. Where I'd have a gun and not have the ammo, or I'd have the ammo and I wouldn't have the gun. And so I'm, I'm, con- and because of the in- the encumbrance, I'm constantly switching things in and out. So I would drop a gun, and then two seconds later, I'd find that ammo. You know, like that <laughs> yeah. that kind of annoying thing. And I'm like, it's fine. It doesn't detract too much from the game, but I, I think it limited my my enjoyment of the game and, and made me kind of play them. Uh, especially Fallout 4, I played it in bursts. Like, I I wasn't continuously playing that game. I think it's kind of uh, uh, annoying things like that. But Yeah, there's a there's a game that's much worse for that that I'll save for Last Call. Okay, okay, sounds um, good. But yeah, that's that's kind of long. To, but I will just uh, finish up the uh, the Bethesda talk with um, the one thing I still... The one item that I wanted to get in, the, in Fallout 4 that I haven't come across yet is the perfectly preserved pie. Okay. There's like a there's a random I think it's random I have to look it up, but uh, from what I remember there you can randomly like there's uh, food dispensers like throughout um, the the wasteland mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes it'll eject a perfectly preserved piece of pie right okay. and it's like it doesn't have much use but it's just one of those like uh, you know, I don't know Easter eggs or something fun that yeah, you, yeah. like that happens just now and then so. And it's super but, rare, uh, so it's fun when it happens. You need to put on your shelves. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the other thing about Fallout 4 that I enjoyed that they added was the, the base building because uh, that's another thing I got. I guess I just enjoy building houses and uh, and putting up uh, tr- trophies and stuff of all the enemies. So, You know, it's funny. Yeah, I just, but- just one more thing before we go into uh, the series I want to talk about. And that's that we haven't really heard about a Fallout 5 or like a... A, a new entry in that series like we know there's an elder scroll 6 we know about starfield uh but it sounds like maybe fallout is going to be the last one to get a sequel or it's on the back burner yeah i don't know well they, they, i don't know if you like brain wiped it but that there was another game that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say i think fallout 76 uh, unfortunately pushed push five down the road Oh yeah, Fallout seventy six doesn't even exist to me. Like it's such a it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a, a blight on the on the fra- on the franchise. And I don't know. Like all I remember about Fallout seventy six is all the ridiculous kind of class warfare things that were happening inside the game between sub- yeah. subscribers to whatever their Fallout seventy six pass was and people who were just playing the base game. Like it, it just seemed just insane to me. But yeah. As soon as I found out there was no VAT system, I was I tuned out. I'm like, no VATs, no no I'm not no money for me. That's yeah. that's 
one of the great things about Fallout is that VAT system is is a whole lot of fun to play. Yeah, it just I, I, the reason I bring it up or the reason I'm, I would continue talking about it is it does have that base building element that you like, David. Yeah, yeah. I I can't. I can, sorry. I said the reason I bring it, I cannot bring that game up. I, I do. I do think. <laughs> I, I do hope they put more resources towards whatever Fallout Five is in the future. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, take us home with yours, Jordan. Sure. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a different inventory system, the grid system, which we I think we alluded to earlier. Uh, the grid system is uh, used in the Diablo games, uh, Diablo 1, 2, and 3. Uh, we've also seen it in the Resident Evil series. Uh, it's a way of managing equipment and items based on their physical size in your inventory rather than their weight. So you might have a 20 by 10 grid uh, for your character and you can have all your potions in there, your uh, extra items or uh, uh, tomes or whatever you things that you pick up. Or if it's Resident Evil, you'd have your guns and your herbs and stuff like that. Um, and I, I the thing I like about the grid system is it's very easy to uh, kind of switch equipment that you're wearing with new things that you pick up. So the grid system, let's think about Diablo 1, 2, and 3 for a second. Uh, when you open up your inventory, the grid... Uh, it appears beneath a portrait of your character uh, and a portrait of your character shows like your 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 armor on your chest, your shield, uh, your rings, your boots, your helmet uh, and whatever weapon you have equipped on one or both hands. Uh, and I just like how you can kind of easily interchange between different uh, different uh, armor setups or different weapons that you want to use based on the situation. Uh, you get a very clear picture of how your stats change based on which items you're equipping. So you can kind of quickly uh, change items in the field, which I also like to see, uh, especially in a, a, looter, a loot game like Diablo, where you're constantly picking up new things. The benefit of the grid system is you can very quickly uh, see what you've picked up, identify it with a scroll or go back to town and have Deckard Kane identify it for you if it's a special item, uh, and then just put it on your character. It's literally seconds to do exactly what you want. So there's something very expeditious and swift about the grid system that I like. It's obviously very restrictive. It's not based on weight. It is based on size. And because certain items uh, like armor or axes or, or lances uh, in Diablo can be very large or in Resident Evil, like something like a machine gun or a rocket launcher, these can take up like half your inventory. Uh, you do have to make some tough decisions, right? You're not taking everything with you, obviously. Um, but something about the Diablo games that I really like is that because of the grid system, it really forces you to make a lot of return trips. And because you can make a, a town portal anywhere, it, it makes the, it kind of works very well with the grid system, I guess. Like it's it it lends its the grid system lends itself to returning to home base, kind of going back to the that that non pressure situation, seeing what you have, talking to the townspeople, turning in quests or figuring out what your next objective is. I like that progression of go a little bit further, come back, go a little bit further, come back. It's kind of like uh, Etrian Odyssey in a way, uh, a game we're going to talk about in a couple months, where you make a little bit of progress in a dungeon or an area, and then you come back. Diablo uh, with the grid system kind of does something like that as well. Um, there's a stash in the town that allows you to hold your extra items. The, the stash is not infinite though. It's still, it's about maybe three times the size of your character's grid. 
Uh, Resident Evil series also has safe rooms where you can uh, store extra items as well. It's a little bit more cumbersome because you have to kind of navigate the the mansion or uh, the police station or wherever you are to get back to a particular safe room and find your items. I haven't played any of the more recent Resident Evil games. I'm not sure if they do something different with that. Um, uh, Paige or David, have you played like Res- the like the new Resident Evil two or three or even seven? Do they do something different with the inventory? Mm, I, I don't play scary games at all. So I right, you you you're, you were saying uh, sorry. I was, <laughs> but I was gonna say I do like any game that gives you like a home place to go back to and like relax. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention about Monster Hunter is that you've got the item pouch to go out, but you've got a home storage that can fit more. Uh, okay, so a similarity there. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm totally with you. I, I feel like that that safe haven or that place where nothing bad is going to happen. It does kind of give you that mm-hmm. sense of uh, maybe of comfort, I guess. Like if you, if you go out too far and it's too scary, it's too dangerous. You've got a place to go back to pretty quickly, especially with the, with the town portals and Diablo. <laughs> I think the, the grid system kind of benefits people who are very good at Tetris who can kind of manipulate their inventory very quickly. Uh, it's obviously a system very tailored around a keyboard and mouse uh, moving uh, items or t- dragging and dropping them is uh, very much a, a PC kind of um, uh, mechanic or, or uh, a feature, I suppose. Uh, yeah, like I said, easy to change equipment, see stat changes. I like that about it. The Diablo series is going to continue to use this grid system. I, I imagine they will uh, in Diablo 4, which we've seen a little bit of. Uh, and I don't know, maybe we'll see a little bit more of it later this year, although BlizzCon uh, did get canceled. But um yeah, um, Diablo series, Resident Evil series. I like the I like the grid system. I, I think it it's not the most convenient, but I do think that it motivates uh, kind of enjoyable or compelling gameplay scenarios. Um, it's not uh, my my favorite item is not related to either series. Actually, I, I'd forgotten to put this in the notes, or I'd forgotten really to think about. It. I was just thinking about inventory systems. Uh, but my favorite item, uh, if I could talk about that for a second, is the Estus flask from Dark Souls. Uh, the Estus Flask is a uh, kind of a refillable potion, basically, uh, that you get at the beginning of the game. And it's in it's in Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. Uh, there's a, I think there's a form of it in Demon Souls. Uh, I, I don't think Bloodborne uses something like that. If I, I think you, you heal with uh, blood items instead. I don't know if there's a refillable one. But uh, at any rate, the, the Estus Flask, uh, what I like about it is that it refills every time you get to a bonfire. So... There, it's doing that same thing of uh, kind of forcing you to go back to a home base. Uh, it kind of happens in Diablo uh, and like Paige was saying in Monster Hunter as well, that, that kind of safe haven. Um, the Estus Flask, can, you can improve both the number of charges that it gets, but also the strength of each charge. So I, I just like the way this refillable potion kind of grows with you throughout the game. As you become a stronger character, uh, you're also trying to improve one key component of your inventory as well. Uh, And it's something you've always got on you. Uh, As it gets lower, the tension goes up. Like You feel like um, as you're running out of Estus Flask charges or consumptions, you need to be more careful about going to new areas where there might be uh, tougher enemies or uh, maybe if you're going to fight a boss, you probably want to have a full set of charges before you do that. So a lot of the, at least the way I play, a lot of the way my Dark Souls uh, playthroughs go is kind of based around uh, the condition or the uh, uh, how full my Estus Flask is, I suppose. Uh, Dave, you've played Dark Souls before, right? Like, what uh, do, you, do you have any experience yeah. with the Estus Flask? Or what do you What do you think? Yeah, well, on the Switch, I remember the first time that I upgraded the flask, and it was like uh, a relief had just gone over me. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I can I can go farther now. Like, yeah, yeah. 
and I, it was, and I think a few of us were playing at the same time, uh, a few of us who had never played before, and it was like a revelation to a, a few people that, oh, you can upgrade that. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> like, you know, that was, and that was, that was the whole priority after that point was like, oh, okay, how do we strengthen the, the flask to the point where it's like as mu- as far as we can go? Because, yeah, it was, it saved, saved my bacon on a few cases, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing about Dark Souls is you can find a lot of items that aren't necessarily all that useful. You can find, like, uh, just souls that you can consume and then use those to buy levels or to buy items or, or, or equipment or something. But every time you find uh, a, uh, one of the two items that lets you upgrade your Estus Flask, I feel like that's a significant find. Like, those are items you definitely want to seek out earlier in your playthrough if you can. Or at least, you know, there there are reasons why you would want to scour your environment because, yeah, like you said, David, if at the end of the game you you feel like you have more freedom and you can explore longer and further if your flask is more charged up, and I I just think that's a neat mechanic that I don't think we really see a lot of in games where you have a static item in your inventory that keeps improving and improving. So to me, it's just it's just a neat feature in the Dark Souls games that we haven't really seen much of before, and certainly one I would like to see more of in action RPGs, where you're upgrading your 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 health kit or whatever, whatever your health potions or whatever are. Your your there's, um, there's this permanency to them, I guess. In um not like it's one particular item, but one thing I thought about is um in East Eight you um cra- like craft I think you craft them um, potion bottles. So there's only a certain amount of health you can have, and then you get a bit further in the game, you get another one. So it's sort of like, again, trying to stop you from being like, being able to just neck a bunch of, like, you know, grind out and neck a bunch of potions. You're actually sort of restricted to how many you can have by your game progress. Right. So the further Um, you get in Ease 8, the more bottles you have. Is that right? Yeah. I played it, but it's been a while. um, Because I think you craft them, but yeah, like the, the item to like put them together is a bit hard to find. Right. Okay. So you, um, maybe those, those items are limited further through the game. So it's sort of away from you know you can't just you can't like Breath of the Wild it and go like nick a whole bunch of like right yeah food and stuff. <laughs> yeah um, cool. So when I got to like the one difficulty spike at the midpoint in the game, I'd actually run out of potions, and I'm literally eating bits of food that give me one HP trying to stay oh, alive. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Ease 8, and I think that's probably the closest comparison to the Estus Flask is these these potions that become more plentiful. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Ease 8, you find a doctor who joins your village, and he's the one, or, or he's one of the characters maybe that, that uh, allows you to, to create potions, or you give him ingredients and he yeah. he makes different potions for you. Is that right? I can't remember exactly, but like the bottles are like a limited resource. Yeah. And then you like either get more items to fill up the potions or you buy like you you go to, to back to your home base and then get your potions filled up. Yeah, yeah. But you can only have so many on you by how many bottles you have. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, that yeah, I think that's a very similar system and also, I guess just uh maybe, maybe the closest thing we have to an Estus flask is the uh the ability to uh, gain more potions in Ease 8. I wonder if the other I I haven't played any of your Ease games and I wonder if they do something similar. I'd like to kind of go back and see uh if that's the case. I was just gonna say, Eve's is one of those series that that's uh, completely passed me by. Mm-hmm. I st- I think I have eight on uh, Switch. I ended up getting eight, it. Then. Yeah, Casey convinced me to ones, buy it. But I really like eight. Yeah, it's Casey loved that game too. It's one of his favorites. 
I'll have to go back and try it again. Mm-hmm. I know there's. I know there is a ninth game uh, announced and maybe coming. Uh, it, maybe it's, well, it's already out, out in Japan. It's out in Japan already. Yeah. 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 But did it? Did it get announced for Switch? I, I think we probably nah. talked about this before, but no. Yeah. Just just PlayStation Four, right? Oh, that's too bad. But well, you know, the Switch was come... like a port after the fact. Like Yeast Eight was Vita, and then yes. PlayStation Four, and then Switch. So. And there were there was problems with the translation or something like that, or or maybe with the performance. So they might be a little bit hesitant about porting to a Switch, or might want to take more time with it, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the too. initial Western translation was bad or something. But when yeah. I got it on the Switch, I didn't have that problem. It was just like a couple typos. So I think they yeah the the version that I had when I um got like the review code on Switch um that problem was gone. So I was able okay. to enjoy it. Yeah, I think they fixed it pretty close to the launch, if not, you know, just a little bit after or something like that. So it wasn't an issue that affected many people, I don't think. Well, I'm sure uh, in a lot of cases, it's it depends on your sensitivity to localization problems. Because, mm-hmm. like, even Persona 5, like, how many people complain about Persona 5? And I didn't think it was, like, unplayable. Yeah, it, yeah I didn't even like, notice any issues with Persona 5 at all. I didn't know what people were talking about with that game. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the same with me. If you've played There's a lot a... of RPGs, like, you, you've probably been exposed to some of the worst translations that we've seen, right? So, like, when, yeah. when you go to a game that, you know, one of those AAA games that obviously, you know, there's a, there's a huge script and, you know, there could be some issues, but it's not, like, an entire 20-hour game is just filled with typos and, and, and grammar mistakes and stuff like that, right? Like, it's, it's different. Perfect. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the inventory systems and items that we enjoy, but for last call, we're going to uh, flip the script and we're going to talk about a few RPGs that we think suffered from uh, either convoluted or poorly implemented inventory systems. Uh, so uh, I can kick this one off because uh, I had actually hinted to it earlier uh, when Jordan had mentioned that he was not uh, a big fan of finding weapons or finding ammo for the wrong guns. Nope. And uh, that is actually one of my biggest complaints for Wasteland 2 is that um, so that's a I, I think a lot of CRPGs uh, often struggle with the inventory systems because they're just a lot of times they're so big uh, that that keeping everything organized can be uh, a bit of a chore. But for Wasteland 2, like, you can have, I think it's, like, seven or eight characters, and uh, the thing that made, so the, I played it on Switch, and uh, the thing that frustrated me was that whenever there was ammo or, or weapon in the wild that you'd pick up, uh, the character that picked it up, it went to their inventory system, so each character had their own individual inventory system, so, uh, you know, and, and the ammo and the guns, especially early on, are pretty um, scarce. So you could have like one type of gun on somebody and then another type of gun on somebody. But if they pick up the ammo, if the wrong person picks up the wrong ammo, then I have to go into the inventory system and transfer that ammo to the person who has the gun. And there's so many different guns and different ammos that I like sometimes they usually have to go and say, okay, well, what gun is this person holding? Oh, they're using like 50 caliber. Now I got to go find the, the character that picked up the 50 caliber bullets. Um, so there's a, a lot of like transfer in here and there. And, uh, especially when you're getting down to like the last few bullets and you're, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to give like two bullets to this person and one bullet to this other person because they share the same type of gun. And, 
that that was my biggest source of frustration. But even though I enjoyed Wasteland too, I thought it was a great game. That kind of gives a new new meaning to the term micromanage. If you're giving one bullet <laughs> yeah. to one person and two bullets to another person, there was definitely battles early on that that was the case. The um, individual like inventory thing is something I don't really like about the like mo- like I don't know if it's the same in the older ones, but like in Fire Emblem series, where you know yes. someone picks up the key and they're the person that's really slow, um, and like there is a convoy, but then you're gonna have to waste an entire turn to like transfer that item to the convoy, um, so that somebody else can use it in map, and then like when you're outside of it, like trying to swap over. You know, give the keys to this other people, um, give the axe to somebody who actually can use it. So it's got very annoying. That was the case in even in Three Houses, I think. That yeah, uh, characters had keys, and yeah, they had to. Uh, so I there's like I sent one person off to get a chest, and they're like, "Well, you don't have the key," and I'm like, "But the the other person has the key. What does it matter?" And it's like, "No, no, you have to you have to send the right person to the that has the key to the treasure box." And usually it take like several turns to get them there or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. You know, these tactics games, they want they I think they want that that realism. Like, how could someone pick up an item on one side of the map and another person be able to use it? It's it's not necessarily player player friendly, but I guess <laughs> you it can does throw to, keys you, 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 across, <laughs> yeah. across a map. Yeah, sure. Yes. If you've got a hell of an arm, you could. Just but tape tape it to an arrow and fire it off. Just just make everyone a thief in Fire Emblem, and then you'll never have that problem <laughs> yeah. again, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I know you I know you really like uh, Wasteland too, David. But the idea of uh, you know uh, single inventories and and trading items back and forth like that, like that, that makes me think. Yet yeah, this this game really is a wasteland. Well, I think it'd be easier on PC when when you're have a mouse and you can kind of just click really fast. Yeah. But when you're on switch and you have to hit buttons to switch menus and then you have to switch to individual characters, like it's, it's just cumbersome when you're trying to do it in handheld. Yeah. I I think, I think that's just one thing that happens with, with maybe extensive inventories. Uh, at least some of the ones that we've talked about, um, they are difficult to do on a console or you really have to, uh, the developers will have to focus on how that's going to be implemented and uh, you know how how comfortable it's going to be how easy it's going to be to move things around if that's a big part of the game right like um you you've reviewed the port of wasteland 2 i think is that right yep yeah, yeah i and did yeah it was yeah it's just and it's just one of those things that like you 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 trade that off for portability sometimes and i i, I think the diablo 3 uh, Switch version did a very good job of making inventory management very easy. You didn't need to, you weren't really missing the the keyboard and mouse as much. But maybe with a game like Wasteland Two, where you're doing more of it, it could be frustrating. Yeah, and I mean, like a, a game. It's funny because uh, a game like uh, uh, Mario Rabbids is is kind yep. of in the same vein of that kind of strategy CRPG, but they they really reduced the the requirement of like you can upgrade the weapons and stuff but there's you don't really have to fight item management in that game not at all i mean there's no there's no there's no ammo there's no um i don't think there's no one-time use items you have basically your standard gun and you then you might reasons. have a, a special you don't need ammo for that exactly yeah <laughs> or, or you have like yeah. a, a remote control tank or little car that you can drive around and bomb someone with like it, it, it's very i don't know i think that's smart i think that's a smart way to do uh, a strategy game like that like you know you don't have to worry about inventory as much you can just focus on the fun i think that that simplicity really worked for that game well you have one here that uh 
I, I, I couldn't get uh, an hour into the game, so I, I'm not going to be able to, uh, that's going to, that's going to change at some point. That's going to change at some point. I'm going to get you to play this game. Um, Earthbound is one of my favorite games, uh, but it is one of my least favorite inventories. And I think one of the reasons people, um, see it, uh, it was difficult to do then, it's, it, but it, it certainly has aged even, even worse because of it. But, uh, you have a very limited inventory with each character. Uh, so, uh, Ness, Paula, Jeff, and Pooh, they all have their own inventory of about, uh, I think it's like 10 to 12 items, something like that. Uh, and that also includes the items you have equipped. So if you've got, um, a weapon and then maybe, uh, two or three accessories equipped to your character, like a, like a hat, a shirt, and then like a badge or a ring or something, uh, that's four of your inventory slots already taken up with things you've equipped. So, um, oftentimes throughout the game, you're running around with, I think, yeah, I think it's 12. You have eight empty slots that you fill up with items, uh, you know, uh, uh, restorative items, for example, or uh, permanent items that you have to keep to open open particular doors or get through certain obstacles. Uh, things you just have to hold on you at all times throughout the game. Uh, if you put them away, it's going to be really uh, frustrating to get them back. Um, so the system obviously works very thematically. It's a game about teenagers in the real world going on this massive adventure um it wouldn't make sense for them in their backpacks or their bags or their purses to have 90 the ability the ability to hold 99 items that 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 wouldn't make sense um so it's thematic but it's not practical um you're constantly struggling against a full inventory like you're constantly throwing away items that you want to keep uh if you find something in a chest that you want you have to go through a bunch of menus to throw away an item to pick up the one thing in the chest and so that can take a long time too um, there is a way to store items, but it's not a chest in any of the towns you visit. Uh, you actually call your, you, Ness calls his sister, Tracy, uh, who runs a delivery service and she comes, uh, she sends a delivery driver or a delivery person to come and pick up items from you. However, uh, he, I, I, the, the delivery person can only take three items at a time. Uh, and I think you can only do pickup or delivery i don't think you can do both like so they can either take three items from you or you can take up to three items back from the storage service so and you have to make a phone call and the storage takes like maybe 30 seconds to a minute to show up like it's just it's just it's funny right it's i think it was comical and charming and it still is to some extent but it's also frustrating in a in a you know a not easy RPG where your inventory is very important and you rely on curative items and, and equipment in your inventory for it to be so hard to manage and to retrieve things is not, uh, yeah, it's not all that friendly to the player. So uh, I love Earthbound, but I don't think the inventory system uh, is all that uh, wonderful. Paige, have you played Earthbound before? No. No? Okay. I do. I think I have the, <laughs> it's on the Super Nintendo Mini, isn't it? It is, yeah. So I have access to it now. Yeah, okay. Played it. Good. So I'll I'll try to get I'll try to force <laughs> you and David to play it together at the same time so we can talk about it. Yeah, like a book club, but it's a game club. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, that, well, that's basically what the podcast is for us. It forces us to play games. So. I don't know, Jordan. Maybe maybe Paige and I just don't want to play. <laughs> okay, then Casey and I are going to do an episode. I, I don't even know if Casey likes it. I, I don't know. I'm trying to find. I'm struggling to find any person who wants to play Earthbound with me. So, yeah, but we, 
if, if you're out there listening, thing. if you're out there and listening and you want to hear an episode of Earthbound, please email David, David at thethirstymage.com. <laughs> Let him know there's Earthbound. No, don't fans. stick the Earthbound people on me. It's just going to be, again, it's going to be me <laughs> making 10 different email accounts. All they've, yeah, Earthbound, That's right. great idea. Uh, well, I, I'm sure we'll acquiesce one day. Very one good. day we'll, one day I'll play Earthbound with you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, already, well, uh, you got any, anything that we missed, uh, Paige or Jordan that, uh, you'd like to talk about for maybe, uh, did or didn't like, but. Uh, I like games with auto sort for inventory. Yes. Yes, for Uh, sure. Like in Final Fantasy 14, um, the auto sort will put the key items, so items that are only for a specific quest at the top and like, yeah, everything's just pretty, like the rest of the inventory can be a bit. Because there's so many different inventories in that game, because it's an MMO, but mm-hmm. like the auto sort is really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of the Final Fantasy games have some sort of auto sort where you can uh, put healing items earlier uh, up at the top of your inventory, or weapons, or uh, or key items, or something like that. And I, I I totally agree with you. I think if a, if a game is going to have like a basically unlimited inventory, you have to have a good auto sort, and maybe an auto sort that lets you determine how it's going to do the sorting like which items will go first i think that's really useful i agree do you have do you have a lot of um experience with ff14 that's one game that we keep that we should be like we're huge uh final fantasy fans but that's the one game that jordan and i just and mmos are tough to get into for us i think mm-hmm. um well i'm not i'm in between the second last and current expansion so um i've only been playing it for like a bit over a year or so, but sort of like go through a whole bunch and then don't play it for a bit because I'm like, oh, I've got so many reviews to do, I can't, you know. So at the moment I've forgotten how to do things. Like I've looked at my hotbar and I'm just like, uh. I feel like a lot of people play it like that, Paige, where they they, they kind of take breaks in between like expansions or uh, updates or something like that. They'll they'll be off the game for a little bit and then everyone will kind of rush back. When you've caught up. Um, the only, you know, other things you've got are any side quests or, you know, in like this job system in Final Fantasy XIV. So like, if you want to play as a different class, then you've got to level that character up separately. Mm-hmm. Like the another char- same character, but you know, so for people that want to do that, like have multiple classes or, um, like the daily r- runs, like dungeon runs and, um, doing raids with like a team, they have stuff to do more often. But mm-hmm. for other people okay. that are like just doing it for like sort of the story content, yeah, you don't need to play it as much. Is there the same type of kind of like uh, grinding for end game instances or end game dungeons just to get better equipment? Is that does that happen? I know that happens in World of Warcraft, I believe. But um, I think a bit. You you get a lot of experience from like doing the main story quest, so you don't need to do too many like side stuff. Okay. And like, there's a daily roulette of like a dungeon and a raid and a trial. Um, so you can do those and like doing one of those, you get, you know, the extra experience points per day. Mm-hmm. Um, but cause the game's like level capped. So once you reach that your um, that job class, um, it's only your items that you, you okay. um, you know, you, so you like grind the, the trial or the raid to get the, um, better equipment so that you don't die straight away. <laughs> Are you are you part of a guild? Do you do like kind of like organized raids or organized like uh, yeah dungeons or um, something like that? I mean, a free company, which is like the guilds in that game. Um, it's pretty big. Um, normally, I'm trying to think because 
Yeah, so trials are eight people, and then raids are more than that. Mm. Um, but usually, like, people form what they call a static, which is a group of people. So, because you've got the different, you know, you've got the tanks and the healers and that. So, you form your own small group of people that you commit to doing, like, a weekly or so um, trial or raid. That's yeah, David talk, David brings up Final Fantasy XIV uh, on a at least weekly basis to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and the, the, maybe in the hopes that we'll we'll pop in sometimes. But now, but now that we you can we... be a Viera now, only girl okay. spot. Yeah, you can be bunnies now. So what uh, what class are you? Uh, paladin. Yeah, paladin. Okay. Um, cool. I um, I'm one of the people I haven't. Re- I don't really touch the other. Try to do the other um, things because like one of the good things about Final Fantasy 14 is that you can stay as the same character. And then change your class. You just gotta have to level that up separately. But whereas I've just stuck to my one because it was like um, I started at the same time with some other people, and nobody wanted to be the tank. So I'm just like, well, I guess I have to. Um, and now, <laughs> and now I prefer that. So I don't want to try anything else because I think like DPS and that's too squishy. Hmm. Because a tank, you just stand there and you get hit, and that's you. <laughs> I feel like there's there's more maybe more of a demand for that kind of class as well. Like it, it, people um, people like to do damage in- necessarily, right? Now they they added a new one, not so much, but yeah, okay. like you you have a generally you have shorter queue times if you um tank because like you know yeah, normal dungeon is one tank, two GPS, and a healer. So um people that prefer the damage classes might have to wait a long time to. I see. Okay. Play. Yeah, I keep seeing deals come up all the time, and that's that's why I keep talking about because like I'll there'll be I, I think wasn't that long ago like the base game i think was really cheap or there was something the other day that came up that i think like a couple months were free or something like there there's always like some kind of deal that i always see and i'm like ooh, final fantasy 14 and uh and then i look at like what's on the review schedule and i'm like when am i gonna have time for this? <laughs> i think it, i think it just kills you that there's a final fantasy game that people talk about and play and is advertised to you yeah. that you haven't played yet I'm secretly jealous. That's <laughs> definitely I, there, there's definitely part of that where it's like, how how can there be a Final Fantasy game I haven't played? It doesn't seem right. But yeah, um, I know. At least um, a couple of the expansions have decent story. Like, I haven't caught up to the newest one. Hmm, I've heard um, that too. Put that on the list behind beside Earthbound, I guess. <laughs> behind. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think FF14 is going to take a few more hours, a few more hundred hours, but then Earthbound. So <laughs> play Earthbound while you're in your in your queues for dungeons because you've got like because <laughs> you picked a damage class and you have to wait. See, now that's the kind of multitasking we can get behind uh, on the thirsty mage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the multitasking that we need when you're playing RPGs. That's right. Yeah. All right, Jordan, you can. You- how about you wrap up uh, this week's episode for us? Yep, sounds good. So uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for uh, a theme episode talking about items and inventories. Uh, we'll be back to uh, a full game episode next week with uh, Bastion, uh, kind of a smaller indie game that uh, we're going to have uh, another guest on. Uh, uh, ben from the Switch Island is going to be joining us. That'll be a fun a uh, little bit of a crossover kind of with him. We want to thank Paige for joining us. I uh, hope this won't be the, the last time that we have you on Paige. It was, it was a lot of fun to uh, to hear about a game series uh, that David and I, again, don't have a ton of experience with. And obviously, uh, it's one that you're really interested in. And uh, it sounds like you, you've played a lot of games that we are, that are kind of blind spots for us. And I think it's cool to learn about those games. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. That's good. It was fun to be here. Cool. Um, 
If you have not already, uh, you know, please subscribe to the Thirsty Mage on your podcast player of choice. Uh, if you can leave us a review, five stars would be awesome. Reviews uh, increase the visibility of the podcast, get more people to listen, which is cool for us. We like that. Uh, if you have feedback for us or you want to submit game requests, especially Earthbound, uh, you can email David at thethirstymage.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at thethirstymage. Uh, we've got a website where David is posting reviews and news uh, on a daily, weekly basis. Uh, that's yeah. thethirstymage.com. David? Just just uh, wanted to bring that up because... You know me, I, I'm always uh, tinkering, and uh, so I've I've decided to switch the site over to a WordPress um, version. Okay. So now, uh, so it'll have all the same content, but now you'll be able to leave co- uh, posts, or leave like leave your own comments on our, on our posts. Cool. Okay. So uh, it'll be another uh, another way of uh, giving some feedback, or uh, you can let us know uh, what you thought of certain uh, posts or podcasts or whatever you want. You can. You leave uh, leave some feedback now and just a, just another way to, to get in touch if you want to if there's something that you want to hear in particular or if uh, you have something to say about a particular episode has the website is the website still the same name the thirstymage.com that hasn't, uh, that hasn't yes changed. yeah okay. the yeah it's still thirstymage.com it's uh, when you go there it's just going to look a little different that's cool all. gotcha Okay, uh, yeah, we've got uh, a lot of good YouTube content uh, coming out uh, and has already come out. Uh, I did a, uh, a Timeless Games episode on Final Fantasy VI that is on the Thirsty Mage YouTube channel. Uh, please check that out. The written version is also on the Thirsty Mage website, so you can read that uh, too. Um, I think that about does it for us. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank everybody for... Oh, oh David. Oh, we no. should let... We should let Paige. Uh, yes, of course, of course. Please. her stuff. Yeah, Paige. Where where can people find you if they want to uh, kind of follow your stuff and and get in touch with you? Um, well, my YouTube channel is just my name, Paige Detlefson. Um, my Twitter at is Paige G Guy. Um, and yeah, I write on ladiesgamers.com and nintendad.co.uk. Is there anything you're working on right now? Features, games, reviews, anything like that? Well, now that I finished uh, my last review, I've got Shantae um next so cool <laughs> yeah i've heard i've heard good things about uh shantae I th- i'm not sure if we have our review up yet but uh zach was reviewing it for nwr and he seemed to be he's a big shantae fan but he seemed to like it quite a bit yeah and we'll make sure to um to put those uh links in the in the uh podcast notes too so if anyone is uh wanting to uh to get there uh they'll be able to just click on in the podcast uh, podcast app Sounds good. Yeah. So so give Paige a follow on Twitter. Uh, check out her stuff on ladiesgamers.com and Nintendad. Uh, we'll hope to have her back soon on the podcast as well. Uh, but we'll be uh, talking to Ben about Bastion. Uh, so it, it's, it's a very short game, you know, six to eight hours. And it's, it's routinely on sale in the eShop. I don't know if it's on sale right now. But uh, if you've got a way to play Bastion before next week's episode, uh, hopefully you'll join us for that. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, I think now that's all. Yes, thank you for correcting yep. me, David. That was a that was a, <laughs> a crucial miss on my part. Um, so yeah, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Paige for joining us, and we will talk to everybody next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.